And Baron James, who was head of the Paris branch and the youngest of the five sons of our actual Rothschild, gave an astonishingly uninhibited description of the 19th century Rothschild policy of keeping it in the family. I'll quote to you from what he wrote and make you smile. In our family, we've always tried to keep love in the family. <laughs> in this sense, it was more or less understood since childhood that children would never think of marrying outside the family so that our fortune would never leave it. <laughs> you couldn't write that today. <laughs> Welcome to Real Black Content is Fun Podcast. This is Big VJ checking in. Today's conversation, beloved, we're going to talk about some history and some strategy. And we're going to talk about some ethnicities. And ultimately, we're going to shoot the bobo. But I want to talk about how you can create a people when they are no people. That's what I really want to talk about that. You know what I'm saying? We're going to have a conversation about a powerful small half from Europe that went into the villages of Ethiopia and created a people. Gave them a history. Gave them a lineage and a legacy with the strike of a pen. He just made it all up. It didn't really exist, but he made it up because he's rich and he's powerful. And then there's a connection with that, with strategy. So... Beloved, let's just hang out and let's just have a conversation. And again, we're going to base it all on history and we're going to talk about religion. And most importantly, we're going to talk about what they normally do not talk about. Because there's a part of this whole Hebrew Israelite story that when they kind of tell you, they leave out the most important piece and the most important piece is the numbers. Right, you really can't get you can't do no good business unless you talk about the numbers. <laughs> if somebody is trying to do good business and they talking about everything but the numbers, they're trying to hustle you, right? <laughs> so, beloved, we're going to talk about the numbers that nobody seems to talk about when they talk about the Hebrew Israelite origin, right? So. We got to talk about this. If you go into the Jewish biblical text, right? And of course, here on Red Black Conscience Forum Podcast, we look at the Bible as a Jewish book. It is a Jewish book. It is not, you know, it's it's those folks' book. It's their book. They publish it. They own it. They control it. They determine what's going to be this chapter and that chapter they determine where the period goes. They determine where the comma goes or the semicolon goes. They determine what is verse number one, number two, number three. It's their book, right? So it's a book based on Jewish tradition. It's their book. It's theirs, right? It's a lot of brothers that come up. No, no, beloved, it's really a, a black book and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, man, I've been around a long time. <laughs> Our people have been around a long time, and I don't know any black family 
nationhood, nation state, tribe that has the power to make their own Bible. I have yet to say, I haven't seen. It's theirs. And then they want to make a revision. They don't have to call you. They don't have to contact you. It's theirs. But maybe, I don't know. Maybe all that is a different story for a different day. In any event, in the book, there's a story about where humanity came from. And that story is from the Adam and Eve story, but everything washes out. And it goes to the second family of Noah. Noah had three sons, right? And the name of his sons was Ham, Sham, and Japheth. And they get on an ark. Everything is washed out. They get off the ark. And these three sons populate planet Earth, right? Ham is the father of black folks, right? Everybody in Africa and the darker people in the southern tip of the Middle East, right? What we call Saudi Arabia. And then you got Sham. He populates the Asian world and the Middle Eastern world. So that's the rest of Saudi and all of the East, right? And then there's the other son. His name is JFF. And he populates all of Russia and today what we call Europe. Now, Semitics come from a people or a person called Shem. This is where they get the term Shem and then it's more cut off version. It's Sam. And you see the people groups, they call Semitics. So Semitics is technically all the, all the Middle Eastern world and the Asian world. They are technically Semitics. All right. When you hear that, that's generally how you hear the Ham, Sham, and JFF story. Ham is over Africa, JFF Europe, then the Middle East and the East is, of course, Sham. All right. Um, the numbers, though, they leave out. They never tell you this story. And when I say they, I mean Pastor Porkchop or Rabbi Lambchop. They never tell you the numbers of the story. So I'm gonna have a, I'm gonna continue to tell you the story, but I'm gonna tell you the numbers. Noah lived to be 950 years old. Noah was around 500 years old when he started building the ark, right? He was roughly around 600 years old when the flood came, and he was on the ark, right? The flood lasted about a year, and when he got off the ark because the ark kind of docked in Turkey and then got off the ark, him and his children, because it was like eight souls that got on the boat. It was his three sons and their wives and Noah and his wife. When Ham, Shem, and Japheth, which is Noah's sons, got off the ark, they was roughly around 100 years old. He didn't have no kids before they got in the ark, so they had all their children when they got off the ark. So this means that, you know, Ham, Shem, and Japheth at 100 with their wives that can be arguably say well they was 100 years old too this is when they started producing and having children at 100 years old and then black folks today is saying well, we are the descendants of Shem that's the guy that got off the boat who was 100 years old him and his wife and they started producing children and then the small hats are saying they're from the same guy too but they leave the numbers out you see what I'm saying they don't say it that way but that's kind of like really how it works not only that on this ark that they spent the year on, the 600-year-old man, they know him. There had to be millions of animals on that ark. It took them a little while to build it, but there's no Home Depot. There's no power tools. There's no none of that. He had to put everything together 
You know what I'm saying? This is it had to be a massive ship, right? It had to be airtight. And he built some levels on it. And with the clean animals, right? The clean animals that went into the ark, it was seven of them. Male and female of the clean animals. And then with the unclean animals, it was two and two. It was two males and then it was two females. So the number part is what they leave out of the story. Now, sometimes you can get brothers from the Hebrew Israelite community that come on and say, V, well, you really don't understand this. You don't understand that. And that's cool. I don't like, you know, because it's religion. It's, it's just having a conversation. But when we start talking about religion, this is not the platform that is going to debate with you. Once we say a man was 950 years old, don't look from a debate for your brother. V. It's not going to happen. We can talk about values. Normally, when we talk about religion, I kind of I, I pivot on y'all and I start talking about who produced what values because all the religion. When you start looking at what's written, that's written down. It, come on, man. The stories is all. No matter what religion that you get, none of the stories is really gonna. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, that's not something we debate on because your story may not make sense to me. My story not gonna make sense to you. You know what I'm saying? And then ultimately what's important is the values. What I'm saying, beloved, is there's another group of folks that's not, in my estimate, they're not really using religion for values. They're using it for strategy. They're using it for domination. It's a, again, it's a strategy behind what they do. So we're going to have a conversation, beloved, on a small hat that come out of Europe, rich and powerful. His name is Baron Edmund D. Rothschild. He's a small hand. And he, through financing and sending out one of his subjects, created a Ethiopian Hebrew Israelite tribe. We're going to have that conversation today, beloved. You know what I mean? So we're just going to hang out. We're going to talk about history. And um, we're going to talk about strategy, right? When you talk about the people of Ethiopia, right? There was a group of folks called the Falashas, the strangers, the immigrants, right? That's their name. It was derogatory, but that was a title put on them because that means that they wasn't from there. These are black folks in Ethiopia, right? The other term that they like to go by is called Beta Israel. And from what we can gather and what we see, these folks been living in that land for thousands of years. Now, I'm going to show you where the thousands of years part come from late. But this is the story about them. Legend has it that it was always a bunch of Semites living in Cush. Living in Abyssinia. Living in what we call Ethiopia. And this legend took place in Europe. With small hats that identify also as Semitics. Now remember, Shem is the guy that got off the boat. Him and his wife, they was about 100 years old. And then he started having children at 100. This is the people or the person that our folks and their folks saying that they are the descendant from. Right? I just want to give you the numbers with this. All right. Because this was the rumor mill amongst the Semitic population of Europe, they went on a fact finding mission to visit Ethiopia to see if they could find the people. 
So you got some famous names that left Europe, right? To check out and see was these folks real. So you got a guy named uh, James Bruce. He was a famous historian that went into Ethiopia. And then you had a Protestant. His name was Sam Ugobat. He went and checked out the scene in Ethiopia. And then you had Charles Beek. He was, uh, they all, all these guys, beloved, they just went into Ethiopia to see was these Falasha people or these Beta Israel people was real Semitic folks, right? When they got there, because their background is like the historians and writers and etc., right? They just kind of watched the Falashas or the Beta Israel community and they were like, all right, they just kind of, they observing. They taking a look at the people's rituals. They're trying to see what they observe. You know, what kind of calendar they got, holy days, what kind of purification rituals are they doing or atonements? And they they just watching the whole setup. They just looking at the people. They're studying the people, you know. And we're talking about the people of Beta Israel and Ethiopia. They're trying to see, okay, what kind of foods are these people abstaining from? Or drinks or etc. Like, what's their language? Do they even know Hebrew? Do they write Hebrew? Right? What is the oral tradition that confirmed that they are really the descendants of Israel? Because at this time, and we're talking about the 1900s, everybody is, everybody that came in contact with Christianity and you know what I mean? So everybody is, it's already on the scene. It's not like it's something that wasn't on the scene. It's already on the scene, right? All right. Well... The Beta Israel community or the Falashas, they have their oral tradition that they descended from a guy out of the biblical text named Solomon, right? Solomon met with the Queen of Sheba and she was, uh, she went to see all this wisdom and this and then the third. She was impressed and ultimately she let him smash, right? She let Solomon smash and then they had a child called Menelik, right? All right. Menelik is who came back to Ethiopia. He's the son of Queen of Sheba. And this is where they get the bloodline. And the tribal connection with the biblical text. This is the story. Alright. Now. There's a lot of historians. We named the popular ones. But there's a lot of small hat historians. That's coming from Europe. Right? Semites. That they're going to Ethiopia. They're writers, they're religious professors, they're visiting, they're checking out the Falashas, and they, you know, they're studying them, examining them, researching them. But out of all the people that went from Europe, they wasn't sold. It was too many contradictions. It wasn't really matching up. Some things that this community should have, they didn't, and they just didn't see the matchup. So there was a couple of guys, because of the rumor mill, it wasn't about seeing the matchup. They made it. They created it. The guy that financed this operation. And I'm going to give you the names. Baron Edmund Dees Rothschild is the boss of this operation. He's a financer. He sent a Frenchie who was also a small hat named Jacquees. Fayette Lovich into Ethiopia to survey and see was everything concrete, but not really. He just went there really, the small hat Jack Weiss, when he got to Ethiopia, he just went to confirm 
that they was Ethiopians, Hebrews, Ethiopian Hebrews before he even got there. So it was almost as if when you look at the work of the small head named Jacques, he almost played like he was the Philosophus or the Beta Israel. Like he was like their, their defense attorney almost. Like um, the small head Jacques, he is the one that explained away anything that didn't make sense. He just made it make sense. When the Philosophus didn't speak Hebrews, he gave an answer why, you know. When the Philosophus had festivals or Beta Israel had festivals, you know what I'm saying? And it didn't line up with Hebrew culture. He just made an excuse for it. He gave an answer. When there were blatant contradictions that was going on with this tribe, he just cleared it up. You know what I'm saying? And what he focused on was he went around to highlight more of these people's similarities to Hebrew culture than their contradictions. So, like, he pointed out the fact that the Falashas, they did, uh, or the Beta Israel camp, they did circumcision right he, that's a similarity you know what i mean he pointed out also that they didn't need meat with blood in it that's a similarity he also pointed out that them folks they didn't uh, they didn't eat no raw food they cooked everything that they did they cleaned and cooked it that was a similarity so it was it was all about pointing out the similarities and explaining away the contradictions because jacques is on a mission by his boss who financed the whole thing Rothschild to create a Ethiopian Hebrew community in Ethiopia that was the mission in order to complete this mission you gotta start recruiting some folks man you gotta recruit some folks you got to train some folks and you got to send some folks back and do the missionary work and convert the people from that village when Jacques was in Ethiopia this is the small hat the Frenchie right this is and, the, and remember Rothschild is, is financing the whole joint when he came into Ethiopia into that area he met a youngster and a youngster name was Tanrat Emmanuel and those folks small hats there's something about us that they can attach themselves to the one that's from that's amongst us. They always can do it. That they got that spirit of influence on them. They got a knack for doing it. I don't care where they go in the world. They can find a black person with the spirit of influence on them. And at that time, it was a couple of guys, but really it was a 16-year-old guy. And that's Tamrat. And when Tamrat met Jacquees, he eventually left his home which is Ethiopia to go with Jacques back to Europe while in Europe beloved Jacques the small hat the Frenchie he put Tamrat in school not just any school the finest schools that taught Judaism in Paris and once Tamrat completed that he learned the ropes of small hatism he put him in another school in Italy and then once he completed that He's fully engulfed. We talk about Tamrat. And the ways, life, culture, and religion of Judaism. Or as we say, smallheadism. Tamrat became a professor. He became a rabbi. He was a intellectual while he was in Europe. Once he was uh, coached up 
to the level that he needed to be in. Tamrat was eventually sent back to Ethiopia to be a missionary. To teach. To convert black folks of that town to that brand of small hatism that he learned while he was in Paris and in Italy. While studying underneath those devils that was there, and of course, you know, the good Dr. Jack Weiss, because they all in Europe. He just was a he was he just knew the Judaism now. Now he's back in his homeland converting, teaching the people that look like him that this is their true religion. And he's correcting all the contradictions. So whatever you did as a normal tribe before, he said, no, no. We're not doing that. We're really the real Hebrews. We're really the children of Israel. This is how we're supposed to do. We're supposed to do this. We're supposed to do that. And we've been doing this and living this culture for 2,000 years. Now, the term the Falashas or the Beta Israel, or they are the real children of Israel, and they've been doing it for 2,000 years, that's a number that Jack Weiss came up with. That wasn't the peoples on the ground. That wasn't their lineage. That wasn't their legacy. But Jack Weiss put that number on them. I'm showing you strategy. I'm showing you, beloved, listen to me now. I'm showing you strategy. When the small head Jack Weiss and Tim Rat, they went back to Ethiopia. They built the school while it was there. Tim Rat was eventually the director of the school, right? Because he's from there. The school purpose was to coach up members of the village of the Ethiopian community just coach them up and send them back out as teachers to do the missionary work to teach the people that know we're not Africans we are really Hebrews right all of this is going on in Ethiopia so they're going through the local villages they're teaching small headism Tamrat became so popular that he was one of the leaders of the black small head community and from his small town that he was from, he eventually went to Addis Ababa, which is the capital of Ethiopia. So the guy's making real moves. He's not doing no small time shit. He's really making some real moves, right? Now, I want to paint a picture again, and I want to talk about strategy. Because these folks, beloved, they're thinking 10, 15, 20, 25 years down the line, while we just not... We're really not on it as a people. We're going to get there, but we're not there yet. The early 1900s, all the way up to, I want to say, 1935, 1940. I'm just going to paint a picture of that time frame, right? Just, I want you to just vibe with me and just think about it, right? There's a lot of moving parts because there's, there's wars, there's some wars, there's some wars, there's some wars in the Middle East. There's some tribal wars in Africa. It's some wars in Central Europe too, though. It's some wars in Southern Europe too, right? Because Germany, Germany is at war at this time. Adolf was, he beefing with the small hat community that's in Germany. And the Third Reich had a plan to uh, kick all the small hats out of there and send them to East, East Africa as well. Well, they, they really wanted to send them to Madagascar. That's kind of like an island, but it's still considered East Africa, right? Then you also got Italy was at war because Mussolini, he decided to invade Ethiopia again. Um, 
the first time it wasn't successful it was another uh <laughs> it really wasn't get back when you really look at the whole story maybe that's it's gonna take a little while for me to break the history down so that got to be a different story for a different day but you know the italians tried to evade ethiopia before and got the ass for mussolini you know them folks keep grudges he nah he trying to quote-unquote right the wrong so he invaded ethiopia in 1935 at this time you got to remember Haile Selassie he's sitting in power he's sitting in the seat um Haile Selassie he booked it though he got up out of there he went on exile after uh, Mussolini invaded he went to the British right and while he was uh Haile Selassie I'm talking about while he's with the British uh he's regrouping and he put together some European or I should say British forces along with some Ethiopian forces he went back into his homeland and he regained power back like five or six years later so I want to say 1941 1942 they was putting together a play right a backdoor play to create a jewish state in ethiopia think about that we're talking strategy convert the people on the land the black folks on the land first make them more because once you get a bunch of black folks that consider themselves the jews now it's a way you're going to look at israel now but remember, it, there was no Israel at this time because, I mean, we know later that Britain created the, the Jewish state of Israel in 1948. But before then, there was no state. They was trying to, and Ethiopia was the location. But you, I'm showing you guys strategy. I gave you that bit of history to say this. There's always moving pieces that's going on behind the scene that you never really see that they got planned but you see what's on the scene now all right let's go back to what you don't hear some things have have happened since then right we're talking about with ethiopia because there were some other wars that came about and then you got those that consider themselves ethiopian jews they uh, many of them went to israel right and then um they became citizens it was like a uh, I want to say maybe Operation Moses. I can't remember. I can't remember. I'm just we just talking in general. There's a couple of operations though where these Ethiopian Jews end up going to Israel because of different wars, right? When they got to Israel though, they put them at the bottom of society. They wasn't amongst the elite. They was at the bottom of society. Not only that. Um, many of our people that's Ethiopians that went as Hebrews joined the Israeli military that strategy now the small hats that really dominate Israel got the black Hebrews or the Ethiopian Jews that's there incorporated, incorporated many of them into the military and now they're using the black face to go fight the Palestinians the black fakes to go fight if they got issues with Egypt or somebody of Saudi, somebody from the from the the Middle Eastern world. It's the black face they putting up to do the fight. 
that strategy. It's not about what you hear, it's about what you don't hear, right? If you ask me, there was no Ethiopian or there was no, no, they all created that because that was the first plan to make Ethiopia the Jewish state. When they end up switching in Britain, when Britain did what they did for them, they just was left with a bunch of folks saying that they would because they was trying to soften up the land. It was strategy. It, it, it was all strategy, right? One would have to ask himself if you live in the wilderness of North America, there's a lot of black Americans saying that they too come from the line of Shem. Now, I want you to listen to what you do not hear. There are a lot of quote-unquote lost Hebrew Israelite tribes in Africa. The Limba, the there's a bunch of them. Like man, it's a bunch of them down there. You never hear the Hebrew tribes that's in Africa that is recognized by the state of Israel ever say or make a connection or reach out to their black Hebrew Israelite brothers in America to try to make some type of union in it. Because <laughs> I can guarantee you the reason why they are formed is strategic and it's a strategy behind it. You are starting to see more of a blossom of the Hebrew Israelite camps in America. And beloved, all I see is, is strategy. Our people saying they descended from Shem. Shem is the guy that got off the boat at 100 years old. Him and his wife at 100 years old and they begin to start having children at 100. And our people are fighting to say we are the descendants of them. And this is not no, this is big celebrities talk now. It's not nothing low in the village anymore. Um, some of our most famous celebrities are now saying that he resolutes. Kanye is a Hebrew resolute. Kyrie, he reps it. Um, our brother in California, um, what's the brother, the, the poor man? Kendrick Lamar, he's a Hebrew Israelite. Then our brother down south, uh, Kodak Black. He, he, so it's not like a thing that's hidden underneath a rock. Big time famous celebrities are repping it. They're saying that they are the descendants of a man that got off the boat out of an ark. Noah's son, Noah who lived to be 950 years old. He's He, he had a son named Shem and Shem got off the boat at 100 years old with a wife that was 100 as well. And they had children and they are the descendants of them. This is the conversation that we have in the village. Right? Even that though, when you talk about the wilderness of North America, you talk about the territory that we call the United States, there's some stories that I hear from our village that I, I do like. They're interesting stories and I like them. Right? I like the story of Bishop William Christian. Because he's like one of the first to come on the scene as a black American and talk about being Hebrew, right? Then there was another one, another brother that came behind him. His name is uh, Prophet William Crowdy. He was like the first to really isolate and say black folks is the real Hebrews. And then after that, you start seeing the early peelers, right? of the Hebrew is like community. So you start to see Wentworth Arthur Matthew, right? He's a West Indian. He just come from the islands and he 
you know, he moved to New York City. And then you got Arnold Josiah Ford, who was also a pillar. He's from the Caribbeans as well, and he moved to New York City. So you got these connections, beloved. It's starting to look like it's forming up. You're starting to see black activism, right? Then you start to see black Hebrewism, and then you see Ethiopianism all connected together. Because even though we talked about earlier, like Temrent, like Temrent was, he was a brother that was from Ethiopia. It's interesting to say or to note that he found his way to New York City and end up being around Wentworth. And then you get some of these guys end up moving to Ethiopia. And then you got some other guys later from some camps in Chicago end up moving to Israel. And then from Florida, moving to Israel. So I'm trying to think behind the scenes it's what's the strategy if you don't have a plan for yourself beloved listen listen good now somebody got a plan for you because it's not small like i said before celebrities are talking about this beloved back in my day we had a guy named krs1 and that was in krs1 rap he used to when he's spitting bars on one of his albums one of his songs he got a song it's a lyric that say there were two brothers one was named Ham, one was named Sham. The black folks come from Sham. He, he was kicking it. This ain't nothing new to our village. And we always talk about the Ham, Sham, Japheth story, but we just leave out the numbers. When we talk about the story, or you, like I said before, when Pastor Porchop talk about the story, or Rabbi Lambchop talk about the story, he never says, all right, there's a guy that named Noah. He lived to be 950 years old. He was 500 years old. He's, he's not really, you know, tapping into that, you know, tapping into that vein. And then when he was 600 years old, the flood came. Lasted about a year. Three sons. They was all, they were all in their hundreds. So we, arguably we can say, yeah, wives was in their hundreds too. At least a hundred years, hundreds and change, hundred. And they started having children right around that time. Got to leave that part out. That part would make the average person start thinking, well, what, is that really what it was? He was how old? They leave it out. But this is the family that black folks is fighting to be a part of. That's their bloodline. They go to a guy named Noah. He lived to be 950 years old. Just, just have a conversation about that. Sit with some coffee with somebody and say, yeah, man. There's a guy named Noah. He lived to be 950 years. That's a lot of birthdays, beloved. That's a lot of candles. <laughs> I ain't saying nothing. I'm just saying the numbers. That's a lot of candles, beloved. Hey, man, how are you going to be this year? 876 years old. <laughs> huh? <laughs> That's my daddy. Noah's my daddy. <laughs> Shem is my daddy. How old was Shem when he started having children? 100 years old. Hmm? How old was his old lady? 100 years old. Hmm? This is black people. This is small heads too, you know. I'm just saying. We just having a conversation. We talking about the numbers. No, you're never going to hear nobody talk about the numbers. You know what I mean? You, you're never going to... Listen. Listen. It had to be a million animals on that ark, bro. A million. There had to be a million animals on that ark. Can you just imagine that? I'm like, can you just I, like 
This is the importance of teaching people religion while they're children. That brain is not fully developed. Well, you can run anything on them then. You're like, hey man, this is that, this is that. Then, you know, you go to an adult. And the minute you start talking about somebody was 950 years, they're like, wait a minute, 950, man, that's a long time, bro. <laughs> that's a long time. <laughs> they again you know, on, listen. What do, when I see black men argue and debate with other black men behind religion, it's look weird, bro. So they think I'll be bugging when I start talking about values. I'm like, man, I can rock with anybody if your values are together. I don't care what, you know, all our people looking to the East and, yeah, man, I ain't, yeah. Yeah, but you, what's the value system? What's your values, beloved? I don't care how good you can read a book from the East and how much you can recite it. If you behind on child support, it don't mean nothing. If you're on your fifth and sixth wife, bro, it don't mean nothing. It don't mean nothing. You can't keep a steady relationship together. Man, I don't mean nothing. How many? That don't mean nothing no more. I don't know, beloved. Maybe all that is a different story for a different day. I'm just talking about strategy. When you start seeing a shift in strategy or movement, I should say, that's a strategy. Is somebody strategizing on black Americans? Everybody going to be the descendants of Shem. I think this is interesting, right? You, again, you come to the widow of North America. And like I was saying earlier, you start look at the connections. Wentworth. Arnold. Then underneath that, you'll see there's a brother pop up. His name is Abba Bivens. And then right after Abba Bivens, you start getting the camps. You start seeing GLCC. You start seeing ISUPK. That's the brothers I rock with. I really rock with. Because I like uh, the general guy. And I like uh, the, the tall, light-skinned brother. He be kicking it. I like, uh, I can't think of his Tazaria. I like both of those. But a lot of those brothers from ISUPK, they look like they got backbone. So I rock with them. I also like uh, I see IUIC, pardon me. I rock with them as well. I like Bishop Nathaniel. I like the purple. I like how he, I like, so I think, I look at it like this though. Because there's other camps. I rock with them all. I don't want to just do it like that. I'm just going to put that out there. They are brothers and the sisters in there, they are sisters. But I'm just saying it like this, right? Because I always think about things in terms of strategy. All the brothers in the front always ask though. I start looking at the pillars. Who was in the back? Who was doing the teaching? Who's doing the financing? You start looking and you start seeing these guys can come from this Caribbean and go here, then they can go to leave America, go to Africa. You're like, damn, we're financing all that. Because it takes people work every day, can't do that. They was able to do that in the early 1900s. There's a lot of moving around. Who's financing that? Who's doing these lectures for them? Who's teaching the pillars now? Who's writing the books in which the pillars are learning from? Right? I think it's interesting that the books that is they're used for like the source of information by most Hebrew Israelite camps in the wilderness of North America and the United States. I think it's interesting that the majority of those books is written by small heads. I think that's very, very interesting. That devils and small hats write a lot of the books that they really use as a real reputable source, right? Like there's a book 
that's often quoted by these camps is called Among the Igbos in Nigeria. With George T. Bays and he wrote it. You know what I'm saying? There's a book called Hebrewism of West Africa. But Joseph J. Williams, he wrote that. There's a book in which our people, they tweak the term Negroes. And it's in the Zandavan Bible Dictionary. Now that's Peter and that's Bernard. That's their book. They from Michigan. Those are devils. But that's a resource and that's a source that's often quoted. And I think it's interesting because it's written by devils. The Chosen People book. Jacob Dorman wrote that. That's a these are so I'm like you that's interesting to me, beloved. Now, how they do the game is they kind of do like this. They write the literature. You believe the literature. But the strategy, in my estimate, is to get more black folks to be small hats. Or to represent the Jewish culture, the Jewish religion. I can see a strategy for more black Jews in America. Why are they going to use or why they need more black Jews? That remains to be seen. But they got a strategy for you. I can see right now, beloved, I can see a process that they're going through and it looks like I'm on a it looks like a big hustle, though. You know, even though we on a we on the inside looking in, I can't say we on the outside looking in because we black folks. We on the inside looking in and I can see it. I'm like, uh, I see the hustle because what they're doing right now, this is small hats and black folks right now is. They're giving the pushback. Black folks are saying they're the real Jews. Small hat saying, no, they're not. And then the pushback is fake, though. And then that's the because this is the first stage. The second stage, you watch, you're going to start seeing small hat rabbis start folding and start agreeing with a lot of black Hebrew Israelites. Right. That's going to be the second stage. The third stage is uh, you're going to start seeing more unions between black Jews in America small hats you're going to start seeing more unions you're going to start seeing live podcasts where they're working together live podcasts where they're teaching together lectures uh lectures where they just you're going to start seeing more and more of that it's going to start looking like a team thing right before you know it though black folks who consider themselves the real jews the real hebrews would be living in israel in the military locked and loaded a member of the israeli military fighting palestinians fighting turks fighting saudis fighting the arab egyptians to protect their homeland of israel for their new master if you can't see it you bugging because i can see it it's all strategy A black Hebrew Israelite is nothing really more than just a Christian because he's the same to me as a black Christian. He just thinks he's a real Jew. I mean, that's cool. I don't have a problem with that. He just believes he's a real Jew. He believes that he descended from a man named Shem that got off an ark at 100 years old along with his wife and started having children. That's what he believes. They don't say it that way, but that's, you know, that's what they believe. 
You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they believe they came from a man they know of that lived to be 950 years old. He was five years old when he just started, he would get into the work. And then he was 600 years old, roughly 600 years old. When the flood came, he in the ark. He built that ark with no Home Depot. There was no power drills, no uh, power tools, no power drills, none of that. Pardon me, you know. No, just <laughs> it was none of that. It was no net. It, he put it all together, and he put millions of animals on there. Not just any animals. Seven clean. If they was clean, he got seven males. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And then they was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. All right, you get on that. Boom. That's the clean animals. And then the unclean, he put two and two. There's millions of animals on there. They lived on there for about a year. The lions never jumped on the lambs. <laughs> Everybody was chill on there. You know what I'm talking about? The, you know, there was no beefing on there. We just never really had a conversation about the story that we were told. We don't, because you can't challenge religion, because when they start saying you challenge the religion, you they start saying you challenge the God. You can't, so you can't ask no questions. You're taught not to ask no questions. You can't pick and joke on say, well, this don't really make no uh, this don't really, I don't see this. You're not allowed to say that, beloved. That's how you talk. I'm I'm looking at the strategy though. Beloved, I'm looking at the strategy. Eventually, they're going to have our people in front of something. Because they're going to take their position in the back. We have to figure out what position do they want us in, though. Because it's you're going to see them when you start seeing them fold. You're going to say, damn, V said that. You're going to start seeing unions, big rabbis, talking, having conversations with leaders of Hebrew Israelite camp, the black ones. And the most unfortunate thing about it all is, you know, those small hats got some money now. They got some money. And um, how strong is your people? You think they can be bought? Well, they can't be bought. Come on, let's be real, man. I, you think they can be bought? When they start putting this money up to make these unions together, because check it out. As long as you black and you saying you a Jew, that's more hat. He don't y'all can have like um, biblical differences. He can't see you as his enemy because as long as you look at Israel a certain way, that's the whole plan. The plan is not to get you sound religiously so y'all can all get on the same page. Nobody's never going to get on the same. Black Christians is not, is not on the same page. All black Christians is not created equal. They don't believe the same. They can say that they, no, one believe in this time of baptism, this one don't. One believe in women preachers, this one don't. One believe in speaking in tongues, this one don't. One believe you can be, uh, you can be uh, risen from the dead, this one don't. Like, they don't believe the same thing. It's all different. It looks the same from the outside, but when you come in that world, it's not the same. One believe you can pray through Mary, this one don't. You know what I'm saying? One believe that uh, the Son and the Father is one. They both got this one don't. Like, it's different. But ultimately, what they all do believe in is the protection of the Holy Land of Israel. Boom. Gotcha. Israel need to be protected. Boom. Gotcha. So you the real people from that land where it need to be protected. 
Come over here. Come get your combat boots. <laughs> come put on your fatigues. Come put on your and go in there to the get your rifle and come through this boot camp and get out and defend your that's your land. Even though the original borders that's written in the book is very different than the ones that we see today. Don't worry about that because they don't want you to worry about that. Don't get too technical. Go out there and defend your land because, beloved, don't you know they got Ethiopian Jews out there running around with guns with the... Yeah, man, it's real like that. Interesting connection, but it's an interesting strategy. I'm willing to wait and I'm sitting back and we got the popcorn. I want to see how it all play out, beloved, because it's finna play out. I would not be surprised if I see a mass migration of our folks in the next 25 years to the land of Israel. I would not be surprised. We got a bunch of brothers already over there from Chicago. We got a bunch of brothers already over there from Florida, right? Then going back to the pillars of the Hebrew Israelite movement, right? You got people that was around uh, Rabbi Matthews and uh, Rabbi Ford. They already over there from Harlem. They already booked it. They already been over there in Israel. And I can see it now. The people that's going to hold power, it's still going to be the small hats from Eastern Europe. They still going to keep themselves in charge. But the front line is going to be you. The front line is going to be you. And it's a good strategy. It just depends on what part of the strategy you're going to find yourself in. Because them folks got a plan for the next 25 years. Do you got one? Something you got to think about. Peace and black power to your family. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you guys for hanging out, beloved. This is Real Black Content is One Podcast. Your brother, Big VJ, man. I'm getting it with you guys later. Peace. Thanks for viewing the podcast. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe to the channel on all social media platforms. Real Black Consciousness Real Forum. Black Consciousness Real Black Forum. Consciousness Forum. And we out this piece.